called eye exam because I want to ask you this question, what do you see? If we're going to influence culture, what do you see? If we're going to change culture, what do you see? If we're going to see God do something in this church, what do you see? Because a lot of times we miss what God is doing because we don't see what he's got going on. And so I want to begin this message by asking the question, what do you see? And it's great about talking about igniting nations, impacting a four-state area, and influencing culture. It's great to talk about merging our works and our worship so that they become one act. All these things are great and inspirational, but what does it practically look like to change culture? See, we can get fired up, we can get on fire, we can say, woohoo, God's doing an amazing thing. I want to ignite nations, impact areas, I want to influence all culture. Yes, let's go do it. Great, what are we going to do? I don't know, what are we doing? (laughs) See, it's it's awesome to get all fired up, but if the fire has nowhere to go, what's the purpose of fire? And so we must begin to look at this in what do we see As we drive around our community, what do we see as we drive around this four-state area? What do we see as we're moving forward? And then you got to ask yourself this question, where are we currently? And what is the first step practically or putting into practice that I begin to change something? And so I want to talk about where we are currently. And I touched on this in last week's message, but it's so important I want to bring it up again. And it's that term, Christian atheism. The term Christian atheism. And as I touched on this last week, I want to give you a a definition of, of what we're talking about here. The effectiveness of our reach is contingent on our love for God. And the expression of our love for God is called worship. Worship is love expressed. That is what worship is. As we host homes and and leaders uh, of base groups, that is our love expressed to our Father. We love our Father so much we're willing to open up our own home and come let people come into it and uh, abide in it and worship with us in it and it's our love expressed and we do it in several other ways love expressed is illustrated by the life and actions of jesus christ how do we know that jesus loved people he healed them how do we know that jesus had a heart for people he set the captives free how do we know that jesus really came for us because the bible says in luke 4 16 through 18 it says i have come to heal the brokenhearted preach good news to the poor set the captives free deliver those who are oppressed and to declare that this is the year of god's favor he wasn't doing that to god he was doing that to people so if we're going to be christians our love that we have for the father must be expressed to people and through people as we show them the love of the father And so now as we get to this term called Christian atheism, we know that Christianity means we're a follower of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ. I'm passionate about my Savior, Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus Christ. I would love to say that that I follow him each and every single step of the way of every part of my life, but I don't. But I'm working on it. That's why I said this morning we must live in an awareness of his presence. Because there's nothing that gets me out of the presence of God quicker than a Monday morning driving to ECLC. Amen. Nothing will get you out of the presence of God quicker. I can have the most amazing quiet times. I mean, I, get, I started at 6 a.m. And, and, I'm, and, and, I, and I'm wrapping it up about 7 to get the kids up. And I have worship music starting to play at 7 o'clock. And by 7.30, whoo, God is good. Life is good. But oh, how when you end that traffic at ECLC. There is nothing that will destroy the spirit of God quicker than people who stop at a yield sign when there ain't no cars coming. I'm just telling you, when people aren't paying attention and they're looking down and four car links have gone and you're just sitting there and you're the pastor of the Way Bible Church, so you can't earn, honk on that horn. I mean, I'm telling you, nothing gets you out of the presence of God quicker. 
But Joel must to live, learn to live in an awareness of his presence so I can overcome these situations in his life. And that's called discipleship, living in an awareness of his presence. The disciples who were with Jesus Christ were with him morning, noon, and night, 365 days a year, all year long for those three years. They were always in his presence. If we're going to qualify and classify ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be in his presence. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we must become disciples and be in his presence. Now we know what the term atheist means. It means that there's belief that there is no God. So what does the term Christian atheism actually mean? It means this. Our theology is that we love the Father and that we believe there's our God. Our lifestyle shows the action that we believe there is no God. Okay? And what I mean by that, our theology says we believe that there is God and God Almighty. He is the creator of the heaven and earth. There is this thing called supernatural design, and that is how the world was formed by a supernatural designer. And his name is God Almighty. He is the Elohim. He is the Adonai. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is God. Amen. And we can celebrate that in the church. But on Monday, in my traffic line at ECLC, there's probably some facial expressions like, I believe there is no God. Right? So what are we talking about? I'm not just talking about sin in people's lives. And I said this last week and I'll say it this week. If you got a sin problem, quit. He died on the cross. You overcame it. The power of sin no longer has a hold on you. Stop. Here's what I'm really talking about even further, though. It's the lack of the display of the power of God coming from the church. Marriages are falling at a rate in the church just as fast as they are in the world. Kids in church are just as much hellions as kids in the world. Adults in church are just as much hellions as adults in the world. So we have a theology that says we believe there's God. There is a God. We have a lifestyle that shows, I don't know if there's a God. And I believe this. Sin becomes rampant in individuals' lives because of a lack of power, not vice versa. I don't believe power becomes less because of an issue of sin. I believe sin becomes more because we haven't been walking in the power. Because when you're walking in the power and an awareness of his presence, you're going to not walk in sin. Amen. <laughs> but if you are walking in the power of God and you're walking in his presence, sin has no authority on you. But the minute you begin to get out of the power, you begin to encroach in, and sin begins to test you. See, that's why Jesus was so amazing on the mountain. And when he was on the mountain, the devil himself, Satan, came to tempt him and test him. But he was in the power, so sin didn't have the power. It's time for the church to walk in the power so sin doesn't hold the power. And so when we walk in the power, sin doesn't hold the power, and you can overcome sinful issues and sinful things in your life. I believe truly that when the church will begin to walk in power again, we'll begin to walk in a lot less sin because we're so busy walking in the power. And so in your life, I want you to begin to walk in the power of God. And in, when you're walking in the power, God's going to deliver you from areas of sin. So my job to you and my word to you this morning is this. I want you to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit with power and fire. Okay? Power and fire to begin to transform the world that, that, as we know it and to begin to change the culture of this world as we know it. I would love to see a great decrease in hospital attendance because we're walking in the power. I would love to see a great decrease in the people who are in jail because we're walking in the power. I would love to see people be supernaturally delivered from things of issues of alcohol and drugs so the money that they were spending on alcohol and drugs can now be an offering for the kingdom of God. 
and I don't just want your money, I want you delivered, but then you can use, do something of great value and worth with your money, besides destroy yourself. And so the term Christian atheism means this. Our theology says we believe there's a God and he's God Almighty, but our lifestyles don't show the power that we say we believe. So we must have a turning and begin to walk in the power that we say we so awesomely believe in. And so that brings us to the area this morning, what do you see? What do you see? There is a reason people go to the eye doctor. That's to check the status of their vision. Some of you, as you get older, I'm praying your vision continues to get better. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's people in the Bible that say they were well advanced in years and their eyes, eyes did not fade. Come on, I'm believing for eyes not to fade at TWBC. Come on, so we can see what God is calling us to do. And there's a reason we go to the eye doctor, and that's to get our sight checked. And now you've got two issues out of the eye doctor. Number one, you have the issue of nearsightedness, and that is where you can see things that are very close to you, but you can't see things very far off in the distance. Then you have another term called farsightedness. That's where you can see things far off in the distance, but you can't see things really close to you. And the problem in the church is we have the same problem spiritually. Some of us are so nearsighted, all we see is the problems right in front of us, and we devote all of our time to fixing this problem, then we go to 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 this problem, and we're so busy fixing the problems right in front of us, we're never going to change the culture of the long term because we're so busy putting band-aids on everything we come into contact with. The other problem is spiritually, we're so far said, oh, we got this great grand vision. We're going to uh, influence this 20 mile radius, impact these four state area and, and ignite nations. Oh, we got this great massive things. We're, we're so busy on the massive scale seeing so far out there. We miss the problems Jesus told us to fix right in front of us. So in the church, by and large, many of us have a nearsighted problem or a farsighted problem. And some of our nearsightedness is we can't get our eyes off of our own problems long enough to help somebody else with their problems. And some of us with our farsighted problems, we're so busy looking at how great God's going to be in the future, we're missing the blessing of right now. And we need to have a correction come back into our vision as the church and begin to bring us all together to see culture change. Because if we only focus on the right now, we're not preparing for the long term. And if we only focus on the long term, we're not fixing the right now. And there's got to be a clarity of our vision where we see the issues at hand now, but we're looking for the long term of what he's going to do down the line. And we do it together with the power of the Holy Spirit. Moving forward, we begin to change culture at that rate and at that level. And as we begin to push forward and see culture change, I want every one of us to realize this. Today in this house, all of us need an eye exam. Every one of us in this house today, your pastor included, need an eye exam. Now this does not take place by looking at letters like you see in a, uh, in a doctor's office. You know how you got the chart and you have the big letter on top and it's usually an E, Right? And then you got the next line, and then you got the next line, and then you got the next line. They get smaller and smaller as they go. We all need an eye exam, but it's not going to become the eye exam we're looking for. The eye exam we need to take today happens is when we begin to not look at letters. We begin to look at people. Our eye exam takes place when we begin to look at people. And every time we look at another person, we need to ask ourselves this question, what do you see? Every time I look over here at the rage group, I need to ask myself this question. What do I see when I look at Jacob Cooper? When I look at Zach T. Meyer, what do I see? When I look at these guys over here and I see this awesome man here who's here all the time, 
what do I see? When I look past the first row and get to the second row, what do I see? On a rage room on Wednesday night, when I'm looking to the 15th row, what do we see? And my eye exam is going to take place every time I begin to look at a person and I ask myself the question, what do I see? When I drive around Sulphur Springs in this 20-mile radius with good Lord knows we put the miles on our vehicle in Northeast Texas. What do we see, though? We need to begin to ask ourselves this question, what do we see? Jesus had the amazing ability to walk in perfect vision. He saw more than nearsightedness, the issues at hand. He saw more than farsightedness, the things that were to come. What did Jesus see when he walked around looking at people? He saw his father. When Jesus looked at people, he saw his father. His perfect vision came not by looking at the issues of people, not by looking at the circumstances of people, not whether the person was blind or sick or whatever. When he looked at people, he had perfect vision because he saw his father. Jesus said this in John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. This is my favorite verses in all the Bible. Man, I absolutely fall in love with these. And it says, I can only do what I see my father doing. So when I look at Dustin and Nancy, I can't see Dustin and Nancy. I've got to see the father and what the father's doing in them. When I see Jeremy and Crystal, I can't just stand there and say, it's Jeremy and Crystal. i got to look at them and I say, what's the father doing in them? What's he got planned for them? See, if I begin to look at them the way I look at them, I need an eye exam. But if I begin to look at them the way the father looks at them and I see Jennifer Arden, what is the father doing? I can only do what I see my father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Come on now. Come on now. Everybody loves this. And, and we're sitting here, we're saying, oh, I want the Father to do something amazing in your life. I want the Father to do something awesome in Mitch's life. I want the Father to do something awesome in David and Lisa's life and, and Robert and Tina's life. But listen, the Father is doing something awesome, but the Son sees the Father and the Son does what the Father does. So that's why I said, if you see a sick person this morning, the Father's healing them. So we need to be healing them. I only do what I see my father doing. And my eye exam comes when I look at people. And when I look at people, I can't see Hunter. I've got to see what the father's doing in Hunter. And it's upon Joel to do what the father's doing in Hunter and change his life. Because I only do what I see my father doing. For the, this is why. Because it says, for the son loves the father and the father loves the son. For the Father loves the Son so much that he shows him all that he does. Man, these verses are so loaded. He shows him all that he does. That's why I'm asking you the question, what do you see? If you don't see what the Father's doing, you need to go back to your relationship with the Father. Because the Bible says the Father shows the Son all that he does. He's not trying to hold back what he's doing in the four-state area. He's not trying to hold back what he's doing to influence this 20-mile radius. He's trying to show the church what he's been doing. My eyesight, my eye exam doesn't come by me looking at letters and how clear I can't see it. My eyesight comes with how clear I can see the Father and what he's doing in Hillary and Becca and Amy and Jeff. My eyesight comes from how well I can see the Father. And he shows the son all he does. Yes, 
and he will show him even greater works than these so that the world, it says, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Notice it didn't say whom the father told him to, whom he is pleased to give it to. That means the father was always about giving life to everyone. Oh, come on now. Man, that's exciting to me. I'm so excited about seeing what the father does. Real life, real talk, real examples. What do you see? I only do what I see my father doing. It's not an issue that the father's not doing. I think it's an issue of our eye exam. What are we seeing? When you walk into TWBC, you're not a project we're trying to fix. You're a person that we really do love. You're a person that really does have value to us. I don't care if you got pregnant before you were supposed to. You got value to me. I don't care if you've been divorced three times. You got value to me. I don't care if you're homeless. You got value to me. I don't care if you're the richest person in our city. You got value to me. And we must begin to value people on that level with that kind of tenacity. And how did Jesus see perfectly? He had the ability to see value in every person he came in contact with. That's how he saw perfectly. He had the value to see, the, the, he had the ability to see value in every person he came in contact with. In Mark 10, 49, he saw value in the blind man and he called to him and said, take heart, you're healed. In John 5, 8, he saw value in the crippled man and said, get up, take up your mat and walk. In Luke 18, 21, he saw value in the rich man seeking him and he said, go sell all you have and follow me. In Mark 2, 5, he saw value in the demonic outcast and said, he stepped off the boat and immediately a man out of the tombs came and met him and he healed him and set him free in Matthew 19 14 when the children came to him the disciples tried to stop him and he said no let the little children come to me don't hinder them and don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these he saw value even in kids when Zacchaeus came to him the rich ungodly man he said Zacchaeus get out of the tree I got to go to your house and stay today and listen one of my favorite ones is this when the woman in John chapter 4 the adulterous woman at the well listen he saw value in the adulterous woman he said you're right this isn't the you're not married and you've been with this many people but go and sin no more and listen a place that he went he saw value in a woman who had been who had been in several marriages he saw her value he set her free but the woman who the world had no value in he saw her value she went back to the town she the woman with no value but Jesus saw value caused a two-day revival to take place in a city that the disciples told Jesus don't even go to because they're trying to kill you and go talk to a people listen and go and talk to a people that are half free people that Jews and Samaritans hate each other you think we got race relation problems we didn't have anything on this issue and he saw value in everybody he came in contact with we've got to see value in people once again even people that don't agree with us politically even people that don't believe with us religiously even people who don't even believe there is a God at all we got to see value in people we've got to see value How did Jesus see so perfect? He had the ability to see what his father was doing. And when he saw what his father was doing, he automatically saw value in people. Come on now. I see value in these seats today. I see value in these seats today. 
I see people with giftings and callings. I see people that can change a culture, not over the next 10 years. I'm talking in the next three months. We don't have to wait for an eternity to see culture change in this 20-mile in this radius. We can change culture overnight. But we got to begin to see value in people. So much so that if you're a barber, <laughs> go down to community chest, community covered, and pick out people as they walk through the line getting free food because they're broke and don't have the ability to purchase food on their own. See how many of them need a haircut. Yeah. Or you can go into the prisons and give them a haircut. But say you're not a barber, what do you do? Hey, maybe you're, maybe you're a, an, an accountant, or maybe you're great with just accounting and you're not an accountant. Maybe you can do some old widow's taxes for free. This is, on, this is on the kingdom. Yeah. Sister, this is on Jesus. Yeah. He sees value in you, and so do I. See, it's whatever your platform or your career is, that's what you use to show value in people. If you're a waiter or a waitress, it's how you can show value to people. You give the one who's going to tip like a million bucks the best service ever, and you give the one who can't tip the best service ever. Because yeah. it's on Jesus. Yeah. I can only do... What I see him doing. And when I begin to see what he's doing, I'll begin to see value in people. I don't see a value, I, 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 don't, I don't see a lost and dying generation, X, Y, Z, triple Z, whatever we're calling generations now. I see value. I see 25% of our population, that is 100% of our future. I see value in these seats. We see value. In this section here, I see value in this, in this section. I see value in the youngest person and I see value in the oldest person. I see value in the white person and I see value in the black person and the Asian person and the Indian person that's in this room. I see value. And it's when we begin to see value, we'll begin to do what Jesus did with the people he came in contact with. Getting off my notes for just a second. When Jesus chose his 12, he didn't choose the greatest of the day. One of them was a Gentile, one was a tax collector, the most hated people of his generation. Some were fishermen. And if you were a fisherman, it means you were in your daddy's trade because you'd been rejected to become a Pharisee or a Sadducee in the synagogues. But Jesus walked up to him and said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. He saw value in everyone. And my question is this. It's not what value do they see, it's how much value are we missing in people. Because I can pick out the value I see in everybody in every row in here, but it's not the value that I see. God revealed to me what I don't see in them. Let's call out giftings in each other's lives that, that, that may, they may not even recognize. What value do we see? The ironic thing about getting glasses is it's more than just frames. And I laugh when people go to get glasses. Because they're like, yeah, that, that, that's my prescription. 
and will spend 10 seconds on the prescription lenses that they need, but hours picking out the frames. And hundreds of dollars picking out frames. And you'll try on 23 pair and go back to the first pair you liked. And you'll stand in the mirror. See if they fit on your neck right. I mean, I do it with sunglasses all the time, okay? I mean, if anything is what I, what I like to spend way too much money, I love sunglasses. But we do it when we, we stare at these frames all the time. When we don't realize this, the frames were made to carry the lenses, not the lenses for the frame. The frames were made to carry the lenses. The frames are just the avenue that the lenses hold on your face. The frames were just made to carry the lenses, not the lenses for the frames. The lenses are the priority. And when Jesus looks at you, when he looks at a person, what he sees is he sees a righteous person, a person bought with the blood of Jesus, a person that's an overcomer, a more than a conqueror, a person with desires and destiny that he's trying to pull out. When Jesus sees you, he doesn't just see you, but he puts on these glasses that are filtered in the prescription. It's called the blood of Jesus. And when he puts on these glasses that the lenses are the blood of Jesus, he now sees you in perfection of what you are designed to be, not what you feel you really are. So when Jesus, or when God puts on these frames, and they've got the lenses called the blood of Jesus, he's not looking for Joel's mistakes. He's looking for Joel's ability and availability for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth. See, the frames were made to carry the lenses, not the lenses for the frames. Now, when you put on glasses, your lenses should be the Father. And you begin to see everyone how the Father sees them. Perfectly healed and made whole. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. And the power of God moving mightily in lives. But here's the craziest thing that we do as the church. We got these glasses and they got these amazing frames because Jesus didn't just pay for the prescription lenses. He paid for the frames. Amen. Amen. He didn't just pray for you, pay for your sins to be forgiven. He paved the way for you to get to heaven as well. He didn't just pay for the, the, your sins to go away. He gave you the avenue to walk in the fullness. So I believe he likes good frames too. Yeah. But we got to keep it in priority with the lenses. Yeah. And the craziest thing we do as a church is this with these glasses that have the lenses of the Father. They're this. We get these awesome glasses and we try to put them on everybody else. Come on, that's good. Come on. Come on. Did you catch that? Come on. We get these awesome glasses. Prescription made for us through the eyes, the lenses of the Father. And what we go is we go and we see hurt people, lost people, broken people, and dying people. And we say, here, put on these glasses. The glasses weren't made for them. They were made for you. The glasses were made for Joel, not for Joel to go put on somebody. The glasses were made for me so I would see them differently, their true value, their true worth. We've made a great catastrophe in the church of getting all these glasses and trying to slap them on everybody else's face, not realizing I needed the glasses. I got the plank in my eye. I need the Father's glasses so I can see clearly. See, clearly for the first time. 
So I wasn't lying when I said, y'all look amazing. Y'all look good. Because I'm seeing you how a father sees you. You look phenomenal. You look absolutely phenomenal. I want to close with this verse of scripture. Matthew 9, 27. It says, and Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men. Everybody say two. two. It means you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Some of y'all have been sitting here thinking the whole time, he's talking just to me. No, I ain't. There were two blind men. There are two of them. So you're not alone. Everybody needs these glasses. There were two blind men, and they followed him, crying out loud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And he entered the house, and the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. The call this morning is this. Come see clearly. Come see clearly. Don't look at your neighbor, your blind friend who needs glasses because you can't see either. There are two of you, remember? Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse. God this morning was crafting a specific pair of glasses just for you with lens prescription made for you. And Jesus this morning wants to touch your eyes. I, I, I saw this so clear when I was writing out this message. Literally, like the spirit of the hands of God were just touching people's eyes in this sanctuary. And they, they, they see people differently. They no longer see through the eyes of racism. Come on. They no longer see through the eyes of racism. They no longer see that person as a crippled reject. They see him with a person that's, that's worth something. They no longer see that person as the old person at church, but a woman or man with godly wisdom that can impart into my life. They see me, they begin to see. And when I was doing this, it was like a vision came and just people's eyes were being touched just like the blinds men. I, I, blind man's eyes were touched and he, they saw clearly for the first time. And my heart this morning is this. Do you believe he's able to do this?